pray that as we uh, as we've made these changes uh, and made it clear lord who's doing what who's responsible uh, for leading different areas uh, lord i pray that this would now lead to um, just just really your people being able to pour out your their gifts uh, the spiritual gifts that you've given to us uh, for your kingdom's purposes Lord, uh, just thank you, Lord, for always uh, giving us your word and the freedom that we have here to receive of your word, to listen to your word, to worship together. May you bless Pastor Susang, and, and, his, and may you, Lord, speak through him. May, may your message, uh, may the gospel truth be clear and evident, Lord, what it means and how it applies, Lord, even in our daily life, um, in, even in our uh, commu uh, communal life together as a church. That uh, even in serving, that we can see the gospel and your grace and mercy just evident. So would you make this happen, Lord, in our church? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Continue our worship with the reading of God's word by Brother Tom Fawcett. Today's scripture reading is Ephesians 4, verses 4 through 13. This is the word of God. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when we ascended on high... When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure, the stature of fullness of Christ. This is uh, part three of our January series called uh, Vision. And as Pastor Young referenced, um, this is a series that we like to do early in the year where we go back to focus on what is our, what is our vision and then the, the values that come out of that vision. So um, maybe we can go to the next slide. This, this is our vision. If you didn't know, and sometimes you may hear Pastor Young come up here and say this, some version of this. And we do that on purpose so that we can, you can get this into your mind. Those of you who've taken um, our membership class, you know, we, we spent a lot of time talking about this. New life in Christ for the nations of Silicon Valley. Um, we're, not, you know, we're not interested in, in just being um, an American church, although we are very much an American church. We're certainly not interested in just being like an ethnocentric church, like a Korean church or a Chinese church. We care about all those who are from um, just so many people in our city Whose, uh, whose sense of, of, of ethnic identity is from somewhere else. And so many of those folks are unreached, and that's what we want to do here in our church, to reach a set of very, very homeless people in a very, very important city and reach them for Jesus, and that's how we believe we're going to reach the nations in Silicon Valley. So um, let's go to the next uh, slide. We have seven values. I'm not going to go over all of them. And in this series, we're going to do five out of the seven. And uh, la the last two weeks, I did the first one, gospel. And I did the second one, word and spirit. And today, we're going to jump down to the sixth value. We're doing the value number six, which is every member. Or, you know, we, you know every member is just a little mnemonic to help you to do this. What this means is, who does ministry? And... Um, it's actually conceptually rather simple. Ministry is done by every member of the church, okay? Every member of the body of Christ is called to ministry. You're gifted for ministry. 
Um, but church after church after church you go to, they don't practice that value. That's clearly taught in the Bible. And our church believes in the Bible, and we're going to apply the Bible. And, of course, you know, no church can apply everything in the Bible perfectly, but we think this is tremendously important. And especially in this season um, where, you know, we're a new church, we're growing in new ways. We've raised up our elders last year, and this year we want to raise up our deacons. It seems especially very crucial and important um, that you learn that ministry is not just for the pastors. It's not even just for the pastors and elders. It is for you if you consider yourself a born-again believer of Jesus, okay? So let's get into it. Part one, who does the work of ministry? I already just kind of gave you the answer, but I'll, I'll show it to you from the Bible, okay? Part one, who does the work of ministry? Part two, childish selfishness, justification, and boasting versus maturity by grace. That's kind of a mouthful. So the passage talks about moving to mature manhood. Now I'm going to talk a little bit about some of the obstacles, which I'm calling childishness, okay? And part three, self-giving ministry and the fullness of Christ. Do you know that so many people, when they come to church, we're not actually looking for the fullness of Christ. And today, when I give you the gospel, I want you to seek the fullness of Christ, okay? And it's relevant to today's message. So let's get right into it, part one. Part one. So let's look at, you know, there's a, a lot of, like, incredible stuff early on. I, I sometimes regularly, I like to give you the, the whole context. I know we had this strange incident last week, and um, I don't want to get too much into that, but one of the reasons I'll give you the whole context I'd like to give you the context of a passage is so you can see that when I teach out of the passage, I'm not lifting up some word out of context. You can see that when I teach you what's in the Bible, I'm being faithful to the context of what's in the Bible. Okay, I want to just say that for, uh, at this moment. This is a really common way that churches kind of go off, you know, off the deep end. And sometimes churches just kind of get off center by teaching you what is not, you know, they teach you, and then the pastor, oh, the pastor really knows everything, right? But when he's teaching you something out of the Bible, it's not in context, and you're like, that's not exactly what the Bible's saying, right? But it can get really bad when someone wants to pretty much get off the gospel altogether, and then that's how we get cults and heretical movements, okay? So that's one of the reasons I want to give that to you, even though I'm not going to really have the time to preach all that to you today, okay? Um, but the opening portion is just saying there's one body, one Holy Spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father. And then it goes on to talk about the one who has descended and the one who ascends. And he gave gifts to men. And that the one who has descended and one who has ascended, it's, it's clearly a reference to Jesus. Okay? It is Jesus who is the Son of God who descended to become human. He ascended. And so when he said he gave gifts, it says that he gave gifts to men. And I'll just, just jump right to verse 11, okay? And it goes to this. This is 11, 12, 13 is where I really want to sit today. It says he gave gifts to men. When he ascended on high, he, he led hosts of captives, and he gave gifts to men. And then it says this. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the, evangelism, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. And so that's what the gifts, actually, this is really strange. Most people don't think of gifts this way. One of the gifts that God gives is your leaders, okay? And this is, I feel a little bit sheepish, and I don't know if embarrassed, I'm not embarrassed what the Bible teaches, but it seems a little funny to let you know, hey, did you know that I'm, I'm, I'm a gift from Jesus to you? <laughs> okay, I'm one of your teachers, I'm, I'm a shepherd, so I'm a gift, okay? Um, you know, there's a lot of people who have the name shepherd or teacher or, or pastor, and when they don't teach according to the Bible, and when they do not seek after what I said last week is of the Holy Spirit, which is the exaltation of Jesus. Every person who comes up here to lead and teach and shepherd you, we're all shepherding you to Christ. We're shepherding under Christ, right? And if they really do that faithfully, nobody does it perfectly. There's only imperfect pastors and shepherds and elders, okay? So please be um, be humble 
and be patient and even forgiving because we will mess up at times, right? And I think, you know, in our church, there is that very good spirit. You are that way, right? Um, that when you have that, that's a gift, okay? But here's what your shepherds and teachers to do. So many people, for some reason, they think that shepherds and teachers do ministry. Okay, pastors do ministry. Everybody else receives ministry. That's what everybody thinks. And so people, and regularly, uh, even pastors talk this way. What's your ministry? What's your ministry? You know, what's your ministry like? Right? And what they mean is what is your pastoral job calling like? What is it you do in ministry? And this is a very kind of like common language across Christians. And it's definitely true in American Christianity. It's very true in the Korean Presbyterian Reformed Christianity I grew up in. But when I talk to people from all around the world, I don't know why it is, but they all seem to fall into this trap that pastors and elders, yes, they are gifts from God. They're gifts from Christ to you. However, here's what the passage says. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So there it is. I highlighted that in yellow. Who does the work of ministry? <laughs> what does it say in the Bible there? It says the saints. Now, some of you are going like, I'm not a saint. So I'm off the hook. <laughs> okay. I am closer to devil than saint. And it's a good thing that I am forgiven by grace because <laughs> I ain't going to ever make it because I sure ain't no saint. Well, let me tell you something. If you have accepted Jesus to be your savior, you're a saint. <laughs> Did you know that? You know, that's so many across the ages, like, um, you know, let's just say medieval uh, Christianity from Europe got into the habit, you know, people didn't know the Bible back then because they didn't have the printing press. The Bible was only in Latin, which most people couldn't read, like 99% of the people couldn't read. So, like, only 1% of the people can read the Bible. And sad to say, you know, that's how the medieval European church just kind of, like, you know, kind of started going sideways. Um, and so then they started to have this idea that only these really super special Christians were the saints. And to this day, they're not the only ones that do this, but Catholics are especially known to do this. They, you know, they have this, like, you know, there's like a promotion almost. <laughs> this, this person becomes a saint. And so you have like this woman named Mother Teresa, and then she is like promoted by the Roman Catholic Church into sainthood. And now all the Catholics recognize her as a saint, and everybody else, well, you're not, right? Um, but that's wrong. <laughs> that isn't what the Bible actually teaches. It would be strange if the shepherds and the teachers had to teach the super Christians <laughs> how to do, let's equip Mother Teresa. You know, I'm a pastor, I'm, a, I'm one of the teachers, and I'm going to equip Mother Teresa. Okay, that seems a little weird, okay? That, that isn't what the Bible's teaching, is it? It's right there. Who does the work of ministry? The saints. The saints in the Bible are those who are redeemed. You do not become a saint by your performance. You do not become a saint by how great you are as a Christian. Now, I get it. The, in the English language, that false conception is so deeply rooted. We, we, even, we even still say, are you a saint or are you more like a sinner? Saint and sinner. But I want you to hear what the Bible teaches. Erase that. <laughs> you became a saint by grace. Okay? Through the redemptive work of Christ through his death and resurrection. And that means, you know what? You get to do the work of ministry. You are called to do the work of ministry. You have a work of ministry. Did you know that? And let me just tell you a little something about this. This word ministry, okay. I just kind of corrected, according to the Bible, a certain understanding of how you hear the word saint. Now let me just correct, according to the Bible, the word ministry. Most people think ministry is what pastors do. I mean, it's so deeply rooted into American language. The wrong concept is deeply rooted. So, saints. Okay, all right. Okay, you're gonna, okay I got to re re reorient that. Ministry is not what pastors do. 
it isn't even just what churches do. <laughs> you know what ministry is? Ministry means service. It's actually what the original word means. Ministry means service. And particularly, it means service to God. I mean, let me say a little, this might sound a little strange. Um, let's say you are, um, you work, you know, let's say you work in HR. Let's say you are a human resources person at your company. And so you help organize and make the company work well, do the compliance according to the laws, and you help keep your company just, not breaking the laws, not doing what's wrong against your employees and so forth, right? That's what HR is actually for, okay? Comply with laws and to treat your employees correctly, all right? And what if you did that job not just to make a buck? You're like, well, I, you know, I, I didn't want to be a doctor, <laughs> and I didn't want to crunch numbers, so I could do this, and this is the way I can make money. Okay, if that's the way you do it, you are surely not doing ministry. You know what you're doing? You're serving yourself by making money, okay? It's not a godly spirit. But if you sense that God says you do justice in your company and protect justice in your company, and you do that for God, this is interesting. You're being a minister. You're doing service for God. You hear me? You hear me? There are companies out there started by um, non-Christians, I mean, not by, by Christians, to contrast to the way non-Christian companies, let's just say custodial companies. And there are janitors out there, they serve by cleaning and keeping hygiene in bathrooms for God. Then there are people out there, they just clean because they just want to make a buck. Then there are some people who clean to bless their brothers and sisters and their neighbors for God, they're doing ministry. Who would you rather have <laughs> doing that work? The people who do ministry or the people who are just wanting to get a buck, right? Now, in the church, if you're called to God, and so, you know, in the church doesn't mean even just literally inside this building. It means being a part of the family of Christ, you're called and you're gifted by something. Everybody has a gift. Everybody. So I ain't, there's nothing I can do. That's not true. I just told you people who can clean and they are janitors for God are doing ministry. It's true. Right? They're doing a blessing unto others. You can too. Everybody has a gift. Okay? Now, let me just say something else. What is the ministry for? What is service to Christ to bless other people for. And I'm going to show it to you in the row. This is in the blue, okay? Just did this so you can see it clearly. So let's just back up. The pastors and shepherds and teachers, we're here to equip you so you get to do your service, your ministry to Christ, okay? What is the purpose? Here we go. For building up the body of Christ. And let's go to the next. For building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. So let's just say, let's go to the first one. So what are you trying to do? You're building somebody else up. And it could be in a seemingly not so important way. If I were, you know, I sure want the bathroom clean, okay? I sure want even our church in compliance. You know, that's, I don't know if you noticed that, but like that's one of the things that's going to be up there, okay? We need people who are good at that. Right? Um, we need even just people to, to count our finances and do that accounting well. Apparently, I've heard that we're short on that, okay? That's ministry. But what that does is it builds up the whole body. It builds up the body as an organization, and it builds up other people, okay? It builds them up. It strengthens. The old word is edify. Edify means to strengthen up so that they would grow to be more fully human in Christ the way God intended. So is there some way you can contribute to the building up of the church, either organizationally, you know, corporately, or even as, you know, specific individuals? Absolutely there is, right? 
That's the purpose. And unto what? Until, this is how far we're going to do this. Until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. Until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. So there, this, is a, this isn't like, we'll just be done and then I'm done. This is a, this is a deep and high and ambitious calling. And, you know, you look at the people in your church. Let's just, just, try, just try to keep it visual. Inside your mind, the people in the church. Um, do all of them, do all of us have a unity of faith? And do all the people have, you know, a deep knowing? I mean, sometimes knowledge it just feels like it's head knowledge. I'm not talking about, sometimes when the word knowledge there, it doesn't mean, let me say it a little bit different, until we all have a deep unity in our faith. And we all have a deep knowing of the Son of God, all right? That's what we're helping people to go to. And there'll always be people coming in who are who know Jesus poorly. You're like, I, I'm kind of one of them. <laughs> well, guess what? Isn't it great that there are not just the pastors, not just the elders that will do ministry to help build you up unto knowing Jesus, but so will your brothers and sisters. So, Let's just, let me just say a couple things before I go to part two. You know when you go to small group, to GLF, you know you should just show up, and just showing up and caring, you know what you're doing? You're doing a piece of ministry because then you will help build somebody else up. Do you know if you show up, you're like, I'm not sure what I'm doing, I'm here to receive, but by receiving well, and then saying, you know, I see this one person hurting, you may not know it, but then you will do a piece of ministry. You know, maybe go, oh, I'm not one of the pastors, but actually, maybe that's why you need to be there that day. <laughs> okay? So even, even things like that. I don't, I mean, I'll, I know I'm always uh, multiplying examples. How about just one more? Um, I sometimes go to churches, and their band is really loud. <laughs> okay? I'll be really honest with you. I don't like it. Because I don't go to church to hear a band. I go to church to hear the church sing the praises of God, the voice of God. So, you know, I love sitting next to the children. And when the children, I hear them praise, you know what they're doing? They're building me up. <laughs> they're building me up. Because they are doing service. Your singing is not just, I just want to sing or I don't want to sing. You are ministering to other people. <laughs> for their building up from Christ for Christ, okay? Now let's go to part two. The next passage, verse says this. Actually, this, is the, this isn't the, it's the last verse. verse let's go back to that uh, verse 13. We're going to, all the saints are going to be equipped for the work of ministry until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. And then here it goes. To mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. To mature manhood. Oh, it sounds very impolitically incorrect language today to use the word manhood, okay? I mean, if that offends you, I'm sorry, but that's how the Bible talks, okay? I want to talk about maturity. And as I was meditating on this, that portion too, we're trying to get people to mature manhood. That's we as like, it's like the body of Christ is like a person, and that person wants to get to mature manhood. The, 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 the metaphor is, you know, it like, it's great when the kids look really cute, but do you really want to be a 35-year-old who looks like a four-year-old? <laughs> right? That's not manhood. That's not maturity, right? You don't, your body and the way you think, um, if you have a person who's 25 or 35 and 45, but they think and act not in a mature way, in a childish way, that isn't good, is it? <laughs> um, when the kids are small, we expect them to be immature, and we give them lots of patience. I hope you give them patience, okay? Um, but it's not, the, it's not fitting when people who are seeking after the Lord don't seek maturity. <laughs> 
And one important way we seek maturity is to embrace that you have been called to a work of ministry. And what I see regularly is Christ gave you a gift. Maybe, probably a lot of you are very gifted people. You probably have more than one gift. Most of you have a lot of, I might see three or four gifts. Okay? But what I've seen in church after church after church is people don't exercise them. They don't exercise them in the church. They barely exercise them outside the church. Sometimes you have a natural gift, and sometimes you have a spiritual gift. A lot of people don't, you know, they don't think of their spiritual gifts, and they often don't exercise those. And a lot of times people exercise their natural gifts just like, okay, well, that's for me and for my, me, making money. I want to just talk about three ways that I see in churches um, that are causing Christians to stumble and not move towards their work and embrace their work. You know, where we as a saint are choosing not to live inside of our saint identity in Christ and, um, and then embrace a calling, a calling of a work of ministry. So the first one I said was childish selfishness. And so here's the way I'll put it. And this is, I hope this isn't common to other churches around the world, but man, it's really common in America. In American churches, people show up in churches to be ministered to and not to minister. Or to put it another way, they want to be served, not to serve. In fact, we even have a name for this. We call it church shopping. And it's consumeristic religion. And Christians, you know, who believe in the gospel, we should be the very last people to believe in consumeristic religion and practice consumeristic religion. But it seems like we Christians in America, we're like really good at this consumeristic religion stuff. And um, I'm not trying to get on any of you today. Okay, so if I'm talking about this and you're going like, oh, the pastor called that childish selfishness. That stinks because <laughs> that's me, okay? If I'm talking about you, I'm not, okay, I'm not looking at anybody here, you know, like, you know, like when my eyes go around the room, you, I saw you look straight at me, Pastor. Some of you have said that to me. I'm like, I didn't, I didn't do that. <laughs> okay, I, 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 what I do is I, I, I use a little old speaker's trick, which is to look just above your head. It looks like I'm looking at you, which normally you like. But when I talk about like some kind of like ugly sin, you're like, oh, oh my goodness, don't look this way. Okay, so I'm not looking at you. <laughs> but <laughs> I'll close my eyes, okay? Um, I mean, come on. Um, I don't know any American Christian who's not guilty of this to a certain extent. In capitalism, we all want to be served, not to serve. Okay? When I show up, when I show up at Costco, I expect someone to do their stuff for me. <laughs> I don't want to have to go like do any work when I get to Costco except get my stuff and give me, you know, pay, right? And then I don't want any screw ups when that happens. And everywhere we go, we always expect to be served. Because I got money, man. I give you money, you serve me. And that's the American way. And then we show up in church with that attitude. And it's not mature manhood. It's childish selfishness. Okay? And so when you see things done in the church, you see needs. A lot of you, you see needs in the church, don't you? <laughs> oh, that's a whole. That's not doing good. That's not well. And you can't all fix it. We all know you can't all fix it. Okay? But there's this language, oh, we need to do this, and someone needs to do this, and someone needs to do that. And somehow, you know, what ends up happening is, like, pastors feel guilty. Oh, that, okay, I'm not doing that. And we get exhausted pastors, okay? But that's because there is this crazy codependency in American Christianity. Ministers do ministry. <laughs> they serve. The people get served. Consumeristic, capitalistic, childish, selfish religion, which is not genuine biblical Christianity. And then the people who are pastors, they run around and get exhausted. And then... And then, you know, like if their marriage starts to break down, we're like, oh, he must be a bad pastor. That's going on, guys. And I'm not trying to complain about that about you guys. You guys are pretty loving to us, okay? But um, in our church, you know, we're an American church. We're not very good at this one. So 
That's enough about that, okay? Childish selfishness, we need to do a check, heart check on that, okay? Not just to be served, but today, maybe in our prayer time, you can ask, Lord, maybe would you turn my heart not to be selfish, to want to be served, but to serve the way you want me to serve? Hmm? Second one, this is a little bit deeper. We want justification. I'll call it childish justification. When you come into a church, you're supposed to believe by the gospel that Christ justified you by his righteousness. You showed up, your righteousness is junk. Okay? That means when you're doing the best that you can, you still deserve to go to hell. Okay? Right? Do you believe that? You actually probably don't, but that's true. Okay? So you know what we do? We walk into church, we hang, you know, we'll hang around with other Christians, and you compare. That's a good Christian, he's a good Christian, he's, she's, she's not so good. <laughs> I'm better than her, and, you know, like, but I'm not as good as him, right? And so then you don't want to be like this below-par Christian, this junky, lousy Christian, so then you want to justify yourself. You want to validate that you're a good enough Christian. So then some people, then they serve. Let me tell you, we don't want you to serve that way. If you serve that way, that's childish. It's not mature according to the gospel. You're actually doing a piece of legalism. One of the, I, I said this, you know, value number one, we're gospel-centered. Gospel-centered, grace-motivated. You're motivated by grace through the gospel to serve. We want the gospel is why you serve. You want to serve, we want you to serve Jesus because out of him, you're called to him. But if you serve to prove that you're a good enough Christian, you know who you're really serving? You're like, okay, you know, I'm really great in the children's ministry. Okay, I'm going to be welcoming. I'm going to be a really good welcoming person. Maybe you are actually pretty good. On the outside, your actions and performance seem pretty good. But on the inside, you're really rotten. <laughs> you know who you're really serving? When you're serving on that team, you're serving yourself. You're not doing the upbuilding of the church. You're serving your self-righteousness. You're trying to earn your validation. And that's not in the gospel. It's actually an offense to the gospel, right? So that's a deeper and uglier way. Now let me just say a little something about that. There are a lot of churches we see a lot of great performance. We go to churches, and they have all these great programs. And let me tell you something. There are ways to get people to do stuff. Okay? If I want you, if I want to make you do stuff faster, I can pull out the guilt, shame, and fear stick. Guilt, shame, fear. Guilt, shame, and fear really works. Okay? Some of you guys work really hard for your company. And you know what they use? Guilt, shame, and fear. Okay? But in the church, we want to use grace. We want you to serve diligently, faithfully, with passion by grace. Okay? Not to justify yourself, but you trust that Jesus has justified you. And the third one is for boasting. <laughs> this is kind of an ugly way. Some people go, okay, I'll do it. So it's usually the people who end up on the stage. Okay? Usually the people who want to be in the back aren't usually interested in the boasting. Like, I don't want to do that. Don't put me up there. <laughs> They like to do the quiet things in the back. Usually those people aren't, they don't usually have this motivation. But often, the visible roles. I grew up in, this is so common in Korean Christianity where people want to become the elder, so then they become the man, I'm the elder. And everybody will call me elder. <laughs> okay? And then they get visibility. And then they get respect. And then they get a boast of a title. Right? Now, so far, I haven't seen too many of you have that spirit. And let's keep it that way. <laughs> let's keep it that way, right? Our church is always, all glory be to Christ. We sang it. Thank you, James, for picking that great, great song. All glory be to Christ. Even those who come up stage, including the lead pastor, <laughs> including the lead pastor, all glory be to Christ. I hope you never feel that even when I come to serve you or bless you or preach or that I, I'm seeking my boast. I hope I never do that. 
I'm, I'm really quite scared of that. And I never want you to hear that from me or any of our pastors or any of our elders because that's a dirty spirit. <laughs> that's unholy. It's dirty. And it's more of Pharisees than genuine Christianity from the gospel. So I just have three kind of like bad ways and ways that we have this thing. We have fears. Some people are like, I've been around too many hypocritical people. I don't want to serve. <laughs> okay, that's kind of weird. It's like, so I gave you two hypocritical bad ways that people serve, and then you go, if I go to church, that's what they all do. That's not true. They don't, people don't all do that, okay? And you don't want to be around them. Well, who does? <laughs> Nobody wants to be like that. In our church, though, we want to keep it holy. We want to keep it clean. And you know how great it is when you serve with people who keep it clean? With Jesus, it's great. But so please don't go, I don't want to serve because I don't want to do that. That's like, that's weird. That's like, I don't want to fall into bad bucket number three or two. So then we'll end up in childishness number one. A certain, that's strange. But let me just say like, just two pieces of wisdom. Let's go, then we'll go to the close of our message. Number one, um, I want to urge you when you serve or you want to serve, you try to serve, don't think about the people who see you. Don't even think about primarily the people that you serve. If it's the children, of course, you should think about them, but that's not who you primarily serve. You know who you first serve? You serve Jesus. <laughs> you serve Jesus. You know, in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus says this thing. He says, you never visited me in prison. You never fed me when I was hungry. You never clothed me when I was naked. And then he says to some people, but you did clothe me when I was naked. You did visit me in prison. And some will be like, they go up to Jesus, well, when did we ever do that for you? And you know what Jesus says? When you did this for the least of these, you did it to me. <laughs> you did it to me. And so one of the things I want to say is, how do we keep it so that we are truly doing the work of ministry, serving God? Well, I would say, why don't you serve Jesus? Think about it. There's an old Latin word that's coram deo. I want to give this to you today. Coram deo means before the face of God. When you serve, I want you to have a piece of faith. I am doing ministry. I'm serving Jesus. I'm going to do welcoming. I'm such a great welcomer. Okay. No, why don't you serve Jesus? And please Jesus. And see that he sees you. It is a secret piece of faith to serve him. First and foremost, maybe you should just serve him alone. Okay? Secondly, you know, Serving sometimes can be hard. It's hard for a number of different reasons. One is, you know, some people, you serve them, and they're jerks, and they're mean to you. Sometimes serving is hard because in the Bible it says all serving is working. And the Bible says work is cursed. It's cursed inside of our own hearts. But, you know, God has given you a place where there'll be a sweetness when you serve. A pleasure. Can you believe that? When you find that pleasure, you're finding a calling. Your gifting and your calling and your pleasure pulled it all together. So some of you, like just for example, some of you never want to do what I'm doing right now, preaching. You're like, are you kidding? No way. I don't even want, like sometimes we ask people, would you do the congregational prayer? My wife, she's like, no, I don't want to do that. But you're so good at it. She goes, can I quit? I'm like, no. <laughs> You're really good at it, right? But just because she's not a person that wants to be up front like that, that's hard for her. Now, I'm not a person that loves being in front of other people, but you know what I do love to see? I do love to teach God's word, and I do love looking at your faces when it makes sense. When you, when you look at your face and look this, when we're like, that's not working, is it? <laughs> or I sure am offending that person. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> must be offending that person or confusing that person. 
But when your face looks beautiful and glorious and joyful, as it's happened inside this sermon already, man, I never get tired of doing this. I do this for free just so I can have that. There's a gift inside of there. It's like a calling and a joy. And we're going to ask you to enter into a season where you're looking for your ministry so the whole body of Christ can be unleashed, not just some of the body of Christ. And we're going to give you chances to have off-ramps. We don't want you to think like, okay, I'm going to do welcoming. And then six months later, you're like, I really don't like doing welcoming. I'm like, not good at this, and this is driving me a little nuts. We want to give you off-ramps. Because again, we don't want you to do it by guilt. We want you to do it by grace. And we would love for you to receive the pleasure of God. God gives you a pleasure to serve. We want you to find that, okay? So wisdom number one, Coram Deo, serve before the face of God. Serve Jesus. Wisdom number two, seek his pleasure. And you'll feel it. You'll know it. Once you get to that place where you're like, I could do this and just keep doing this and keep doing this. And, you know, even if it got hard, I'd still do it. And even if I'm old, I'd still do it. And you don't even have to pay me because this is fun. Now you've found <laughs> God's, where God's gift to you and where you can give a gift to God and where that aligns. Look for that, okay? And if you don't find it right away, just keep trying stuff, okay? <laughs> Let's close. I want to talk about part three, self-giving ministry and the fullness of Christ. So it says, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the stuff that we all said, to get to mature manhood. And here's how the passage ends. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Fullness. Um, so many Christians today, we're not interested in fullness. We want fullness of my bank account. <laughs> we want fullness of my SAT score. Okay, and I know they don't care about SAT anymore, supposedly, okay? You want fullness of whatever it is in there that you're looking for. But somehow people can become Christians and even Christians for a long time. And they don't chase the fullness of Christ. Today, I want to give you part of the secret to get to the fullness of Christ. This is really strange. One of the secrets of the fullness of Christ is to do ministry. <laughs> Interesting. It's a, this is the promise. Do, 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 and then you get to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. You know why sometimes Christians become burnt out or tired or bored of Christianity? And there's a lot of people today, they just kind of like, oh, that, that doesn't work for me anymore. And then they, you know, then they spit on the church, and they start blaspheming the church, and slandering the church, and slandering Jesus. It's, it's like too common today. Because of consumeristic Christianity, they came to be served. They never got anywhere close to the fullness of Christ. Okay? And I want to close by offering you, Jesus is not interested in giving you scraps. I want to say this to people. Um, you know why God doesn't give you the, the lottery? He doesn't want you to win the lottery? Because that would be too small of a gift from Jesus. He would be like, he's thinking, why would I let you get $100 million? You're going to destroy yourself and your children. It wouldn't be a gift. It would be a curse. Hmm. Our gifts. And one of the big gifts he wants to give you is his fullness. And let me close by talking about fullness. If you've been with me, you've heard, this is the way sometimes I describe sin. This is a, this is a Martin Luther. I heard this from my professor um, at Western Seminary. And Martin Luther said, sin isn't just doing bad things. It's that your soul is curved in on itself. Incurvatus of the soul. We even think we're being good that way. So we do serving. I'm going to serve. In <laughs> There's something empty inside, so we're going to fill it. So then you go out and do work, you know, into the world to give yourself an identity. You know what you're doing? You're doing in of the soul. 
I'm nobody in the world, so then I'm going to go get this job that's going to make me somebody. It's going to make me money. It's going to fill my soul. You're going to curve in on your try to fill the emptiness of your soul. Oh, I'm a nobody. I'm going to fill the emptiness. Oh, I'm going to go to church, and then I'm going to serve, and then I will like prove to other people I'm a good Christian. I'm going to fill this incurvatus. It's the exact backwardness of who God is and what he wants to give you. Okay? We have this doctrine in the Bible, the Holy Trinity. One God, three persons, one essence. I know it's mysterious, but I'll teach you one thing about this. Do you know that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they're never curved in on themselves? Do you know that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they give themselves out in service? God Almighty is a serving God. And God Almighty serves, and you know what? It's fun for him. The Father pours himself out in his Son. He's like saying, well, I'll make you Lord, even though I'm the Father. <laughs> Let's call you Lord, and all me will bow to you. He pours himself out so that the Son will be exalted. You know, and all three of the persons of the Holy Trinity are doing that. You know that when you have the fullness of Christ, Christ is God become man so that we can be like God. <laughs> and that joy of being utterly filled up inside, that's what Jesus came to give us. <laughs> so he came... He became human so human beings can have this fullness. And he came to the earth so that he would give us more and more of himself. How did he do it? He came to serve, not to be served. Now let me tell you something that's really strange. The cross was a horrible piece of work. Unbelievable, the most awful thing ever done to anybody. It is at once the most horrible day of human history because the Holy One was murdered. It was also the most glorious day of human history because the fullness of God was poured out so that all our needy incurvatus of the soul, the ugly ways that we're trying to fill ourselves up, He would pour out to build us up so we'd never need to do that anymore. That's what happened. Jesus served us to fill us. That's what he did. And when you come to know Christ, you are coming to the one who can fill you up all the way till it's overflowing. I want you to close, I want to close my message this way. Do you want to know this kind of overflowing, you're not going to find it by just sitting around at home. You're not going to find it by coming to church and only expecting to be served. Oftentimes, if you're a little burnt out or unhappy, you know what you should have to do? You should put yourself away. <laughs> that clawing, incurvice of the soul, the Bible says, throw it away and let the one who has come to fill you up, fill you up. And you know how you get filled up by him? By loving him. And you know how you love him? You go find the least of those around you, and then you serve Jesus, Coram Deo. Did you hear me? And when you do that, he will meet you there, and he'll fill you up until you are overflowing. <laughs> Most Christians, at least in America, they don't seem to find that place. You want to know how I find out who the mature people are? They find that place. <laughs> the people who can serve Jesus and not grow tired, and they have this kind of this well of joy that never seems to, and I mean, it doesn't mean you don't get tired sometimes, but like you don't stop. You will not break. Those people have found the fullness of Christ, a well inside to give and pour out. Because you and I were made to be infinite joy to pull out, pour out. That's how you'll be like God.
That's why Jesus came. And I want to dare to say to you, don't go to servant. Oh, I'm going to be a good Christian. No, no, stop it. That's legalism. Okay? Put that away. Say, Jesus, I don't know this fullness, but I want to taste it. And you to go to taste it, it'll require what it was is faith in the gospel. <laughs> Where you put your faith in the gospel and then go seek to serve. And the strange paradoxical secret of God's ways he'll meet you there okay let's pray we are such a selfish people and not a self-giving people even when we do work we often do it to serve ourselves even today people even get Married, and marriage is a form of serving someone else, but they do it because they want to use somebody else. People even become parents that way because their children have to be their trophies or to be their self-fulfillment. Oh, what a sin-sick and terrible people are we. And we even practice our Christianity according to legalism and selfishness. And yet here is this strange, mysterious, incredible gospel that you want to give us your fullness Jesus you came to give us fullness so that we could continuously give without growing tired in fact we give it actually gives us more joy and more power as we become like you and so now as we go into this response would you meet us pour out your spirit on us and help us have takes of steps of repentance by grace. And the year upcoming, we pray that a revived church would taste fullness, the fullness of Christ. In Jesus' name. Let's all rise and sing this last song to Jesus Christ.